Boy, Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan is feeling the joys of parenting. I don't know if some of you have seen that film before. It's called Dan in Real Life. And uh, Dan, Dan is a single dad that's raising three daughters. And uh, he happens to find himself in, inside the web of the beautiful mess that is parenting that so many of you have had the opportunity uh, to experience. But I'm sure that unlike Dan in this scene, I'm sure none of you have ever, ever had that feeling where you just kind of leave with your head scratching and saying, what in the world is going on with my children? Anyone? Probably not. Nobody has ever experienced that. Okay. You must just be perfect parents. That's amazing. But yeah, you want to take the children. Children, you get to go with Jody today for KQ. So head on out. Head on out. That never happens either. No. I wanted to open today uh, with that scene to, to not just give you a little chuckle, but to remember that life is like that sometimes. Life is messy, and because today is really about being real. And I hope that every, we're real every Sunday, uh, for that matter. But on a day like today, on especially a day like Mother's Day, it's easy to just kind of put a, a glossy cover on the whole thing and pretend that we've got it all together, whether or not we're parents or not, but the truth is sometimes life is just like that. And I just love Dan's reaction. Uh, sometimes we just have those sorts of reactions in life and we're just kind of left rolling our eyes and scratching our heads because we're not quite sure what to do. Life sometimes is just messy. But in the midst of all of that, what I want us to know today, every single one of us, every single one of us is that the good news is that God has given us every single thing that we need to be who he's called us to be, including parents. Today is a very, very special day for moms, and today we honor you. But we also know that parenting is a daily adventure both for moms and dads alike, and no matter what your family makeup may be. And so today, on Mother's Day, it's rather fitting that we're continuing with our sermon series that we began a few weeks ago called Since You Asked. And in this series, we're, we're talking about some of the bigger questions of life, and certainly parenting uh, falls into that category. And so today's topic is, uh, we're going to be talking about moms, but more holistically, we're going to be talking about what does the Bible teach us about parenting? And so you hear that and you're sitting there, some of you, and I I want to encourage you today, no matter if you are a parent today or not, or those of you without children currently, or if you're single, or if you're grandparents and you no longer have kids in the home, no matter what, please don't simply check out and say, well, this message probably doesn't apply to me then. Because what I hope that we'll all come to see today is that this message is for all of us, because the message today is deeply rooted in God's heart towards all of us as his children. So often on these days, we get to thinking, we're the parents, we're the older ones, we're the more mature ones. But why not stop on days like Mother's Day or Father's Day for that matter and remember who we are as God's children? So I hope that more than anything today that we leave with a fresh and with a deeper understanding of who God says we are as his sons and his daughters and what he believes about us as a parent. And then hopefully along the way today, we'll discover his heart through his word about our roles as parents. And so if you haven't already opened up, flip with me to Deuteronomy 6, which David read for us this morning. If you need a Bible, there should be some uh, underneath the rows. Go ahead and pass those down. We're going to start at verse 5, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And so very, very early in scripture, God ad- addresses this 
this fundamental role that all of us have, no matter if we find ourselves in the role of traditional parents or not. And so I think, yep, we got this up on the screen. Let's, let's read this together from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So right away, what I want us to see is that God's word has a ton to say about raising kids to know him. And I think, I think one of the myths or one of the lies out there is that when it comes to the daily struggles that, that many of us face with raising children, it's that it's almost like we believe this lie that we're just kind of out there on our own. Any parents ever feel that way, that you're just kind of cast out to sea and you just kind of need to figure it out for yourself, right? It's like, it's almost like God said, you know, be fruitful and multiply and after that, good luck, you know, like you're just kind of out there by yourself and it's like, you know, the whole infant thing, yeah, have fun with that. And then the whole toddler thing, good luck, right? Adolescence, you're on your own. Teenagers, you know, your guess is as good as mine, right? Like, where's the handbook for these things, right? Like, what happened to that? And so that's the lie, I think, sometimes that we believe. Is, is there a manual for this? I mean, how do I do this? But instead, I think what God wants to say to us today is that not only is he your biggest fan as a parent, but he's also in the game with you. That he's walking with you. And today, God is offering you all the wisdom and all the patience and all the grace and all the strength to handle anything that might come your way. He definitely has something to say about parenting, and it starts right here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so look at verse 5 with me. And it begins with your job description. All of us, not just parents, all of us, our job description in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's it. That is your call. Notice that I'm not saying that you need to stay up on all the latest magazines about parenting and not miss one and read them cover to cover and then you'll have it down. Notice that I'm not saying, please, please don't miss an episode of Dr. Phil because then you'll miss out on some parenting tips, right? Notice I'm not saying just copy what you see everybody else doing, right? Well, these parents, they do it that way. Now, that's not what I'm saying either. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Love the Lord your God with everything that you've got and trust that that relationship is going to be the bedrock, is going to be the foundation for everything that you might face. And so as soon as God tells us that, that that's our job description, notice what comes right after that. Look at this in verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So what we find in God's command to us is that there is this very intimate and this very natural connection between the faith that we profess and how we raise children. It's almost assumed that if our, if our primary calling is first and foremost to be followers of Christ, then like right below that, like priority 1A, almost in connection with that, is to pass on that faith to the children around us. And that command is for all of us. 
And so what I find very, if we look at this a little bit deeper, you might say, okay, I've heard that command before, right? That sounds familiar. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. I've read that. That's in the Gospel of Mark. I get that. But what I find beautiful and interesting about God's word to us is that it doesn't give us the five steps to have a happy toddler, right? I, don't, I haven't seen that anywhere. Maybe that's in your Bible, but I haven't seen that anywhere. It doesn't give us, you know, the top ten things not to say when your teenager starts dating, right? I don't, that's, I don't, there's not a book that has that in there anywhere. It doesn't give us the, the top seven ways to deal emotionally when your first child goes off to college, right? We don't get that written out for us in Scripture. We don't get the details, but what instead we get in Scripture is we get messages about love. Love is patient and love is kind, 1 Corinthians 13. Instead, we get messages about gentleness and about self-control in Galatians chapter 5. Instead, we get messages about discipline being the sign of a loving parent in Proverbs chapter 3. And I could go on and on and on, and we could go through all the books and talk about all those different things that show us who we are to be. God doesn't give us a to-do list as parents. Instead, God gives us his heart as a parent. God doesn't say, this is the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. God doesn't give us a manual. He gives us his heart. And I hope that what we'll find is that that's all the better. And here's why I think that is. Here's why I think God gives us his heart is because the passage that we just read in Deuteronomy starts with loving God with all our heart and soul and strength. And I believe that God is trusting us as parents that we're already going to be walking with him, right? It's that we're not going to be running to Scripture saying, oh, what do I do with my toddler, right? Instead, I think what God wants to say is, walk with me on a daily basis and trust that I have a perfect provision and solution for everything that you might be going through. I think that God is almost assuming that there's, we know that there's no way that we could do this on our own. Parenting is difficult as it is. So why would we not be asking for the wisdom and the counsel and the advice of the one who created parenting, (laughs) right? Of the one who created us. And so the truth is, we've all been part of a family. We've, we can resonate in one way or another with, with the ups and downs of family life, whether you're a parent today or not. You had a parent. You have parents. You are going through that. You know what that's like. You've been through the ups and downs. And I was thinking, this would not be a very authentic message about parenting if we didn't hear some real-life examples, if we didn't hear some real-life stories themselves. And so at the beginning of the week, um, I posed a question on my Facebook page, which I like to do uh, from time to time, just to see what the opinions are, what, what opinions people have. And so I'll do this from time to time. And so I posted this question on my page. For both moms and dads, what is the best part about parenting? And secondly, what is the most difficult part about parenting? And I said, ready, go. And so I put that on there at about 11 o'clock in the morning, and then about four or five hours later, I came back, and there was 18 responses right there. I'm like, great, they just wrote my sermon for me. So we're going to go through some of those. So uh, people love talking about their kids, I guess, even on Facebook. Um, So I want to share some of those with you. So uh, the names have been changed, or actually omitted, to protect the innocent. Okay, so uh, what is the best part about parenting? Uh, One folks 
person said uh, the look on their face when they walked for the first time. Another person said cleaning dirty jeans with stain remover for the 20th time. You gotta love it. I don't know who that person is, but I think they're being sarcastic. Uh, The love you feel for your child and watching your child learn and accomplish new things. It's a compilation of moments throughout every day that are just so precious, cute, hilarious, deep touching, etc. that I can take notice of and keep in the mental file to pull out and remember when things get hard again. Some pretty good advice right there. You can go to the next screen. You guys, here's a few more. The best part is how he lights up when he sees me. I imagine that these will be the exact opposite when he's a teenager. Added a smiley face there. I personally think the best is when they say, I love you, mommy or daddy. It seems to make my day. The best part is when he laughs, seeing him hit new milestones and having a new perspective on God's unconditional love for us. That's pretty awesome. Now, we wouldn't be realistic if we didn't throw some difficult things in there because it's not always uh, a fairy tale every single day. So uh, I would say that the hardest thing is talking on the phone and trying to change diapers at the same time. Amazing. Uh, Well, I'm going to be a dad in October, and the difficult thing for me is I don't have a clue. Got to love that honesty, right? Hardest part, didn't even have to think about it. No sleeping. There you go. Uh, Most difficult part, always worrying that your child is safe from the evils of the world. I think we have one more page, yeah. The constant self-denial, giving up your own needs because your child needs you more. I thought this one was interesting. It seems my generation is incredibly selfish and self-centered. Once you have a kid, you have to be selfless, and it's a big adjustment. Wow, that's pretty cool honesty there. Uh, I think the hardest thing is dealing with the fact that I have limited control of her life and the path she chooses and how she turns out and what she believes. The best I can do is pray, pray, pray. That's some good advice as well. It's amazing the, the honesty on Facebook. And I wanted to share uh, this last one with you as well from a mom. I have struggled with this sense of being overwhelmed in motherhood, which can lead to self-pity, which then leads to guilt, which makes me overwhelmed. And she added, and over and over and over the cycle goes. I feel like I need oceans of grace in parenting this child. And while I know it's available to me, it's so easy to get hung up on the times I don't access it. The amount of grace I need to give myself through God seems to be one of the hardest, the most needed things in my life. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff, right? And just on Facebook, too. Imagine what you could do in a, in a, in a person-to-person conversation. It could be amazing. Powerful stuff. And I, and I show these to you and I read these to you. Hopefully that some of you can identify with those and that maybe you're feeling some of the same things. And so after I read all those, I'm like, well, duh, John, I probably need to pose the question to my own mom, right? So I asked my mom, and and, uh, I'll just read this to you, but um, she had to think about it. She said so many things um, for both, but here's what she said. She said the best part was watching you discover the things that you love and follow your heart. I thought that was pretty cool. My mom said that after after all these years and after all we've been through. And then uh, the most difficult thing she said was learning how to let go and uh, learning how to let you make your own decisions, knowing that some would lead you down the wrong path. And I remember that. I remember that going through that with my mom. And, and it's pretty incredible that I'm sure that my mom is not the only mom that thinks those sort of things. And I just think it's pretty incredible that even when we think that they're the stupidest person in the whole wide world, right, <laughs> our parents are still thinking those things. And so I, I ran across... Um, this quote in a book called Captivating that I wanted to read to you that I think illustrates that pretty well. I have heard it said that having a child is like having your heart 
walk around outside of your body. How a mother aches to protect her child, and yet all the while, from infancy to adulthood, a good mother is training her child to move ever more away from her, to need her less and less. Mothers love and long for their children. Their hearts ache for them and over them. I thought that was pretty uh, connected pretty well to what my own mother had to say. But when I read that, I think, you know what? I think that could be true for all parents. I couldn't help but notice in, in all of those comments that I saw and all those comments that I got on my page and in all my conversations with parents this past week and in, in the midst of all the pain and the struggles and the ups and downs and the good things and the bad things, the things that have been good, the things that have been difficult, if you listen very, very closely and all those things that people listed, if you listen very, very closely, you can hear the heart of God. You can hear the heart of God, the, the joy in their hearts to see their kids grow and learn and experience new things and mature, but also the pain and the longing in their hearts for their children to make good decisions and to love them in return. And I couldn't help but think, I couldn't help but think, if we ever doubt, if we ever doubt, if we ever truly want to know God's intentions towards us, his desires for us, Sometimes I don't think we have to look much further than what's written on the heart of a parent. Why? Because all of us, moms and dads, are created uniquely in God's image. And in their own unique way, are a reflection of God's heart. And so... This past week, I was having uh, coffee with a dad on his day off, and we were talking about the topic of kids, right, and, and learning to be a parent, and we were just sharing some things and, and joking around and laughing, and he said this. He said, you know, I thought I used to know what it was to love, and then I had kids, <laughs> right? And he didn't even need to finish the sentence. I, I knew what he was talking about, and then I had kids. And then, again, how many conversations do you and I have with uh, a new father or a new mother, and you hear him say something like this. When I held that child, when I held the baby in my arms for the very first time, I can't explain it, right? It's overwhelming. There's no feeling in the world quite like that. And some of you have experienced that. There is nothing... You, you realize in that moment, and as they grow older and as you develop that relationship with them, you realize there is nothing that I would not do for them. No matter what comes my way, no matter what circumstances life throws at us, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. There's nothing I wouldn't do to protect them. In fact, there is nothing in the entire world that would make me stop loving you. And so the dad that I'm having coffee with says, you know, sometimes I think, you know, I love my kids about this much. <laughs> and then I remember that our love is only a fraction, only a glimpse of the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. And that just, that just blows my mind. That just blows me away. And, and a thought like that should bring joy to us. That the amount of love that you have as a parent or that you have for a child in your life and that that's just an ounce, just a speck, just a glimpse of the love that God has for you, that, that should blow us away. That is absolutely 
incredible. And then you start thinking, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And all of a sudden, it's not a Bible verse anymore. It's real. It's true to reality. We start to try to get our heads around that. For God so loved you. For God so loved us that he gave his one and only son. Talk about a lesson in letting go. (laughs) We could learn a lot from our heavenly father. And so my prayer is for you that on Mother's Day or Father's Day, for that matter, that these are not just simply days that we honor each other, but to remember how incredibly loved every single one of us is by the God of the universe, the God that created you. Okay, so with that as a foundation, with God's love as a foundation, we're called to overflow with that love. As we receive that as parents, we're called to overflow with that love that God has placed in our lives. And as we've talked about before, the, the, the Bible is chock full of wisdom about being godly parents. And so this week I thought, if I could just summarize all this down and put it in, in, in two chunks, in two things that I could tell us, in, in two things I believe the two most important gifts that we could possibly give our children, what would those be? And first of all, I think, First of all, it's to give them the gift of your relationship with God. And before you say, okay, John, well, duh, you know, we get that. Let's go a little bit deeper. Give them your relationship with God, not your religion. Give them your relationship with God, not your going through the church emotions of Christianity. Right? Give them your relationship with God. Let them see you as a parent walk with God. Talk with God. Fall in love with God more and more. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 6? First, love God with all your heart, then impress it on your children, right? You can't give away what you're not, right? And if that's the most important gift that you can give to your kids, then I think we know what our number one job description is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I think one of the biggest mistakes that parents make, and I see this sometimes even in, in Christian households where the parents are, are believers and, the, and they're professing their faith, but one of the, the biggest mistakes I, I think we make is that we make faith as parents a private thing, right? Or just kind of a once-in-a-while thing, right? And we pray before a meal and we pray before we go to bed and we kind of put in our time and we get the kids dressed and we get them to church on Sunday and we need to behave and then we, you know, do... We, <laughs> What happened to the relationship? When your child looks at you, do they see someone that's busy for God? Or do they see someone that's in love with God? By just watching you, do they see an example of what it is to be with God? Do they see you being changed? What a humbling thing to do as a parent. We often think that we have to uh, be strong and be independent and have it all together. But what humility to offer to your children as parents to say, you know what? I messed up there. I'm not a perfect parent. I messed up. And you know what? This is how God's changing me. What a powerful witness to your children. This is how God is changing me. This is how... I messed up and I need God's forgiveness. So many parents make faith a private matter, but I think that when we do that, we miss out on the greatest form of discipleship (laughs) that we've ever been given. 
the form of discipleship that takes place under your own roof or within your own family. We're talking all the time, go and make disciples, go and make disciples. Okay. And we run and we go do it. And who's left behind? Our family. And we miss out on the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that I think that God has given to us. What I love about Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that it's not just, this is for those of you who have parents that are in grades 5 or below, and this is how you're to train your little children up, right? You're a parent. Once you're a parent, you're always a parent, right? And once you're a child, you're always a child. And what I love about Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that it invites us to weave our faith into every aspect of our lives as we're raising kids, as we're praying for our kids, as we're supporting our kids. Don't just talk about it, live it. A good question for us to ask is, what kind of an image of God am I projecting to my kids with how I relate to him? Is he a once a week kind of God? Is he a God that we only trust when things go well and then if they don't, then we just kind of run to other things for help? Or do they see a God that's changing you in very real ways on a continual basis? Do they see a faith that's real and alive today, not just a faith that you got from your parents 25 years ago? Right? Is the faith burning inside of you today? Is that what they get? Proverbs uh, chapter 22, verse 6. Many of you are familiar with this verse. It says this, Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And I was thinking about that this week, and I know that not every story has a fairy tale ending, right? There's some of you that are sitting out there today saying, you know what, I feel like I did all that, but it didn't quite go like I wanted it to. And sometimes, despite our best efforts, children turn away and go a different direction from what we have taught them, and it can be a very, very difficult thing. But I want to encourage you today to not give up, to never stop praying for your kids. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And don't just do it in private, do it in front of them. Do it for them, with others, for others. And I just want you to know this, regardless of the circumstances, I think this is what God wants you to know today, that the the choices that a child makes are not the final verdict on you as a parent. Right? Sometimes I think, and maybe today is that day, to give yourself the grace that you hold so deeply in your heart for your child. Maybe you need to give yourself that same grace as a parent. One of the the most beautiful examples that I think that we see of passing on this faith and example, okay, okay, John, what does that look like to do that? Well, here's a really funny example, kind of a cool example too. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is in the New Testament all the way towards the back. It's a pretty small book, so don't miss it. 2 Timothy, and we're going to start in chapter 1. Right away there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And of course, this is Paul speaking to and encouraging Timothy, who he's been mentoring. And he tells us the story of Timothy coming to faith. And um, starting in verse 5, Paul says this as he's talking to Timothy in this letter. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, go Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, all right, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. 
And so here we have one of the early leaders of the church, right? Somebody that has it all together, right? And they came from a perfect family situation. No, if you look a little bit closer, Timothy, a pastor, one of the leaders in the church, was basically raised in the faith, brought to faith, taught to follow Jesus by his grandmother and his mother, right? How cool is that? And I think what we see from this is that, first of all, mothers and women in general, you have an incredible calling to nurture and to bring children up in the faith. And second of all, I think we, ha- we see this incredible opportunity and this incredible privilege we have to pass on the faith, to pass it on. And when you think about that, I was, I was thinking about this this past week with my brother. My brother and I are both into sports, and so we like to come up with analogies for these things. And so my brother and I were talking, and, and, and we for somehow got on the topic of, when we think back over our lives, and you can do this kind of as I'm talking here, when you think back over your life, what have been the most significant things that have happened in your life that have helped bring you to where you are in your faith? Right? And so we just, we just said, okay, we're going to go into our corner for a second, and we're going to start listing these things. Right? So don't just list them. List the top five or ten things that have been significant influences in you coming to faith. And so we wrote our list, and we wrote our list, and we wrote our list. And then we compared them. And it was person after person after person after person. Relationship after relationship after relationship. And for both of us, we started listing these things off. Way down at the bottom, underneath all the relationships were all the other things, all right? So my brother and I have been pretty active, but it wasn't fancy programs. It wasn't fancy services. It wasn't Bible camps. It wasn't FCA sports camps. It wasn't conferences. It wasn't Christian concerts. And yeah, we've done all those, and those are awesome, and those are great, and that can be great encouragement. But what we discovered is that the times that we have grown the most in our lives was because an older man or an older woman took the time to personally invest in us to pass on their faith to us. And it's not that our parents didn't. We had awesome parents, and they passed on the faith to us. But they weren't perfect. But neither were these other people that we had listed either, but they were passing it on to us, and we didn't even know it. I saw an example of this on the news uh, this week. I couldn't help but be reminded of this. I was watching a press conference this week for, um, what's the college team in Ames? I forgot. That's, I forgot, thank you for reminding me, Iowa State, that's right, I'm an Iowa fan, so I just, you know, have brain lapses once in a while. So, Iowa State, and so Iowa State hires this new basketball coach, and his name's Fred Hoiberg, right? Some of you may recognize that name. And as much as I'm an Iowa fan, you have to admire Fred Hoiberg, right? Not just the fact that he's popular, not just the fact that he was a great college star at Iowa State, and then was a star uh, in the NBA, uh, but here's what caught me, right? Here's what caught me. Fred lands this dream job, right, in his hometown. He's from Ames. He grew up in Ames. His family is from Ames. His grandparents are Ames. Like, this is his dream job, right, to come back and coach Iowa State. Biggest news story of the week in sports in Iowa, and they they hold this big press conference, and the president of the university is there, and the athletic director is there, and all the press is there, and all these popular people, and all the former coaches are there. And what is the first thing that he does when he gets up to the mic? He thanks his parents. And you might say, okay, that's cheesy. Everybody does that. He looked at his parents. And I believe that he looked at his mom and his dad in the eye and he said, this is what I have to believe is going on inside of his head. It does not matter how big 
I get. It does not matter how popular I get. You made the difference in my life. And he said, because they taught me values and morals in my life that I will hold with me forever. Forever. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. But watch what happened after that. He goes on to list five or, other, five or six other men and women in his life that had personally invested in him. Fred Hoiberg did not become Fred Hoiberg because he tried harder. Fred Hoiberg became Fred Hoiberg because significant people along the journey of his life, for different seasons of his life, poured into him. They passed the faith on to him. They passed on the faith to him. They took what they had been given, even if it was messy, even if it was broken, and they passed on the faith. They passed it on to him. It wasn't something that they just said, well, I don't have anything to offer, and here's this Fred Hoiberg person who's getting more and more popular. They took the time to invest in his life. And I was, I was thinking about that, and I, one of the biggest mistakes that I think that we make is that we make out the word mother and the word father to just be nouns. But what if we saw them as verbs? All of a sudden, everybody's in it now. Everybody's in it now. We can all pass on the faith. They can be pretty powerful verbs as well. I want to read you one more thing uh, from this book, what I think summarizes that pretty well. The word mother is more powerful when used as a verb than as a noun. All women are not mothers, but all women are called to mother. To mother is to nurture, to train, to educate, to rear. As daughters of Eve, all women are uniquely gifted to help others in their lives become more of who they truly are, to encourage, to nurture, and to mother them towards their true selves. In doing this, women uniquely partner with Christ in the vital mission of bringing forth life. How cool is that? Moms, you think that your job is insignificant. And those of you that aren't mothers today, you think that your job as a woman is insignificant. That is powerful stuff right there. You are called to mother. And that is the job description that God has given you for this time on earth. And so I want to mention also uh, today, in, in honor of that, our, our uh, ministry to, women's, uh, to women team here at City Branch has a gift for you. And they want to give you this book on prayer. And it's not because they just felt like it was a good idea. It's because they want to pass it to you. They want to pour their lives into you. And it's a gift to you to honor you because you have such an incredible job, job description. I pray that when you receive this, they're going to be uh, at the doors uh, after worship today. I pray that you take it. I pray that you would digest it. I pray that you would read it, that you would take it in, and it wouldn't just be one more book on the shelf, but that you would let it change you, and that you would read that this week. Because when you think about it, and I think about passing it on and the importance of that, there is a deep void in our culture, a deep longing, I think, for many young people, not just children. So let's not put our minds in that box today. They need mother and father figures in their lives. 
And some of you that, that don't have children in the home right now might be sitting there thinking, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have kids, I, I, I never have, and so I guess I don't have anything to give. But you are so needed. You are so needed. And, and look around you today. Who can you pass it to? Who needs it more than anything? Who can you invest time in and nurture today? And for some of you, the, the, the house is empty and, and your children are long gone and maybe your children have children and you're sitting there today, I think my time is done. I think I've had my chance. There are younger men and younger women and younger couples all around you that deeply desire models and mentors in their lives. Your parenting is far from over. I'm afraid to say it, but your parenting is far from over. It may not be in your own home, but look around you and most certainly at the children in your own home. But there are countless girls longing to know what it looks like to be a woman of God. There are countless young men who are longing to know what it looks like to be a man of God. Don't hog the ball. Don't keep it to yourself. Pass it. Don't just coast to the finish line. Finish strong in your life. This may be the most important season of your life. Pass it. Give it away. Pass it on. And if you doubt, if you doubt for one minute, if you have anything to offer, I just want you to remember this today, that in your deepest pain, in your pain and in your mistakes and in the brokenness that you have, in that is your deepest gift to the world. Kids, no matter if they're 5 or if they're 45, aren't looking for perfection. They're looking for humility and for honesty. God is not looking today for perfect parents. He's looking for parents whose hearts are fully yielded to him. And that leads me to the second key gift that I think that we're called to give, and that's our time. And you think, oh, duh, that's so simple, but yet it's so essential. So many times as parents, we, we get all worked up into and, and thinking and making sure that we get our kids the latest and the greatest and the best gift or game or toy or gadget or trip. And sometimes we think that to truly be successful, I need to have all the answers, and I need to be super mom, and I need to be super dad, and I need to never disappoint my kids no matter what. That's putting a lot of pressure on yourself. That is a lot of pressure. And you know what? You don't have all the answers. And you are never going to. But what you can offer is your heart and your time. Regardless of, of what mothering or fathering or mentoring looks like to you. Paul writes this in First Thessalonians. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Paul had realized that to truly mother or to truly father, to truly pass it on is time, life on life, relationship on relationship. And in a culture where sometimes I feel like we worship speed and we worship busyness, why not give your kids one of the greatest gifts that you can give them this week? Time. Be with them. And so after all is said and done, I, I know that still for many of us, Mother's Day and Father's Day 
are not exactly a cheery time of year. I know that today is not necessarily a celebration for everyone. And that for some of us today is filled with a lot of hurt and pain. And maybe some regret in your life as a family. Many of us have had less than perfect relationships with our parents. And the the truth is we live in a broken world where God's intentions for parenting are not always what they should be. But no matter what circumstances you're facing today, we can be assured of two things. First, that God is a God of healing and restoration. And that in Isaiah 61, when God says, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. I have come to comfort those who mourn. That's a promise that we can bank on. And that no relationship, no relationship, when put in God's hands, is beyond repair. And secondly, that we're called to forgive as we have first been forgiven. And today, maybe because it's Mother's Day, maybe today is the day that you take the pressure off and you take the burden off and you take off the shame and you take off the regret from things in the past and you let God be who he is today, not who you think he should be. A God of unlimited forgiveness and grace for you and for your relationships. I saved one last Facebook comment to share with you here at the end and I think this is said so well from a mom and I'll read it to you. Of course, one of the most difficult things about being a parent is when you make a bad decision or choice or a sin as a parent or as a child and you feel as if you have failed the example that you've been trying to set for your kids or the expectation that you're trying to live up to of a parent. Yet I have found that the greater example is what you do when you have made that bad choice. Do you stay in it? Or do you ask for forgiveness and serve the Lord in spite of past mistakes? What a lesson, she says. Kids will fail. Parents will fail. But God always forgives. What a powerful testimony. Parenting can be a pretty crazy ride sometimes. Sometimes lonely, sometimes scary, sometimes exciting, sometimes deep joy, and sometimes deep pain. But no matter what, the beauty of today is that every single one of us has a God that understands what it's like to be a parent and what it's like to let go. But we also have a God that understands what it's like to be a child, to be a son. And today that God says to every single one of us, mothers especially, I love you, I believe in you, I am for you, and I am your strength. I am your wisdom. I am your patience. I am everything that you need today. And my grace for you today as a parent is more than enough. So I want to leave you today with two questions. Who has been a mother or a father to you? Maybe not as a biological parent, but who has been that figure to you? Who has passed it on 
to you. Make sure that you tell them you love them today and thank them. And the second question is, who might God be calling you to invest in today? Who might God be calling you to pass it on to so that they can look back many years from now and say, they did it. They made a difference in my life. Who will you pass it on to today? Take the step today. Make the call. Amen? Let's stand together.